And the presence of the Lord is powerful. God's doing miracles in this place already, and there are folks whose lives are going to be impacted in the next few minutes as the Word of God comes forth. And I'm so excited today to be able to introduce uh, an evangelist that I've known for uh, a while, and I've heard of him before I ever met him, uh, evangelist Doug Morgan, and uh, he's preached uh, all over the place and spent a lot of time preaching along the West Coast here. And at our camp meeting this year, I got to meet him and spend some time with him and really enjoyed being with this authentic, passionate evangelist who is a man of God that loves God and loves his family and loves people. And I'm glad he's here today. Can we welcome Brother Doug Morgan to come minister the word of the Lord to us today? Bless you, my brother. We're glad you're here. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you happy to be in church today? This is awesome, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I stand before you and a hot dog or a hamburger. And I'm going to hurry today, all right? And uh, I know there's cake back there, and anytime there's cake calling your name, that's a rough thing when someone's standing between you and cake. So we're going to do some hurrying today, all right? Acts, the 16th chapter, Acts chapter number 16. Thank you, Brother Brown, your wife, your family, for allowing me to come. This great church, wow, just uh, from the time that I drove around the corner and saw everyone in their places helping everybody, all of the hospitality and the smiles, that is just phenomenal. Thank you very, very much for making me feel welcome. Hallelujah. I am going to be very transparent and open to you today. And hopefully that I will help you and be able to preach the word of the Lord, but not just to preach the word of the Lord, but to somehow take the word of the Lord, apply it to my life, and um, preach it to you as it applies to me. And, um, And I hope that I help somebody today in this house. I want to give somebody hope. We don't have very much of that in our world today. And I want to give somebody hope. I want, to, I want to let somebody know that your life means something and there's purpose in every breath that you take. I mean that today. And uh, I, I want to minister to somebody who came today that um, might not see a lot of hope maybe in your life or situations that are surrounding you. And when you leave this house, not only will you see hope, but you'll see him. Amen? In Jesus' name. Acts chapter number 16. How many of you wear bifocals? Aren't they great? <sighs> when I first put them on, I, was, I couldn't hardly step. I, I was wondering how far that was down there and how close things were. And oh. I know I don't look 46, and thank you for saying that, but I, oh, in Jesus' name. Uh, Acts 16, verse number 22, when you have it, say, praise the Lord. And the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and do all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. And washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. A terrible situation. It got worse and then it got better. Hallelujah. Some of you, I don't know where you are in those turn of events. You may have just stepped off into some situations that you don't see the end of yet. And it looks bleak. Maybe you're in the part where it's just gotten from bad to worse. But I'm here to minister to somebody today and help you understand some things biblically. And through Jesus Christ, everything's just going to be all right. Amen. I want to preach just for a little while on this subject, staying in, even when there's a way out. Man, we want out of situations, don't we? When, when it gets hairy, when, when it, gets, it gets tough, don't we want out? But what we really, really want is the will of God somewhere in that situation, not only to help us, but to help others. And for God to get glory. Amen? In Jesus' name. God, we pray for everybody in this sanctuary today. God, we pray that your presence and your spirit would be in this house. Touch, deliver, save, open eyes, give hope. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. It is 2.30 if anybody's taking medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> or if you've got a roast in the oven or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paul and Silas are, have gotten together a little team and they are doing just missionary work. They're going from city to city, knocking doors, praying with people, baptizing, establishing churches all over the place. The Bible even says that there were uh, times where Jesus would say, uh, don't go to this city yet. And they would not go. And they would go over here. And, and God would say, go over here. And so they were doing the will of God. Um, uh, Paul has taken Silas and he's, he's going city to city. And they're just doing the will of God. They're doing exactly what God had asked them to do. In the middle of doing what God had asked them to do, 
God gives them, or there is a vision that Paul has of a man that says, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul is so believing, believes so strongly that this is the will of God. The Bible says that he leaves everything that he is doing at that very moment and follows the calling of God and begins to go to Macedonia. When they get there, they go to the chief city and they find this lady there praying and they baptize her in Jesus' name and she begins to help them in their missionary journeys and their uh, progress uh, uh, toward establishing a church. In the middle of that, all doing great. God's showing himself. But remember, he showed them a face of a man, not a woman. And so Paul is, is uh, dealing and he, and he gets this lady and, and baptizes her and, and uh, probably knows that, well, uh, there's this man that I'm supposed to meet. And immediately the Bible says that there was a young lady began to follow them. And, and uh, she's, she would say, these are the men of God. Uh, they're going to tell you the things of salvation. You need to hear them. Something did not sit right in all of this happening. And one day, Paul finally turns around and looks at this girl and casts the devil out of this girl. And the Bible says that the people that were um, her owners, because she was a soothsayer and, and chose to uh, do all kinds of things to everybody in that city, and they made a lot of money on her telling them their future. And she has now been released from that, and they are very upset. The Bible says they grab Paul and Silas, they take off their clothes, and they beat them, and they say all kinds of lies about them, and they throw them into prison. They turn to the jailer, and they say, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you a charge. Whatever you do, don't let these men go. Who, having received such a charge, that decided... I'm going to do something worse to them. I'm going to make their situation worse. I know that they're beaten. I know that things have not gone their way. And I know they're in pain. But I'm going to make it worse because I am not going to be in pain like them. And so the Bible says that he thrust them in the inner prison. Here they are. Uh, they're hurting. They're beaten. They're bloody. They're battered. They're, they're in pain. And he makes it worse. I want to tell you today that there are times in your life that you're going to meet people in circumstances that are coming into your life that are not going to make them better, they're going to make them worse. It's going to happen where they make them worse than what they are. And as Christians, as people that know that our lives have purpose, we have to continue doing the will of God. We cannot get upset, we cannot get bitter, we cannot get angry, we cannot get mad at them, we cannot abort the things that God is bringing into our life. But we've got to understand that all things work together for the good. And we've got to see purpose in every bit of the pain that is going on in our life. We may not understand why it's there. We don't understand how long it's going to be. God never talks to us and tells us, hey, I'm going to send you through some pain. He just begins to let life happen to you. And it's up to us to trust the things that God has in our life. Because I want to tell you this, that God wants to save everybody. 
God is concerned about the people that you work with. God is concerned about your children. God is concerned about your wife. God's concerned about you. God is concerned about everybody. And if he's got to put you through some pain so that you can meet the people that he has designed for you to meet, he'll do that. Because I want to tell you this. There are some people in your life that you will not meet outside of pain. Now, I promise you today, none of us here, and if you are, you're weird, uh, (laughs) that prays for pain. Lord, send me patience, Lord. Don't pray that, because when he gets through with you, you'll have a PhD in patience. We never pray for pain. We pray for pressure. Oh, God, send me blessing. Bless me indeed. God give us revival but God knows there are some people that will never be reached unless you go through pain because it's the pain that will cause you to be put into their life Paul and Silas would have never been able to knock on that jailer's door Paul and Silas would have never been able to reach the jailer so God says I'm going to put you in his house but to put you in his house I've got to put you through pain I want to tell you today that the pain that you're going through it is not punishment it is promotion that God is trying to give revival God is trying to reach somebody God is trying to fix you God is trying to reach you The Bible said they learned how they were in pain. And at midnight, they begin to pray and they begin to sing. Oh, God help us as apostolics and Pentecostals, as Christians, to learn how to say no matter what's going on, I'm going to keep praying. No matter what's going on, I'm going to keep praising. I'm not going to stop when everything is going bad because somebody's watching me. Somebody's the Depending on me. Somebody needs me to keep being what God has called me to be. Because every door that is open is not a door for you to escape out of. So we think that, oh man, as soon as a door is open, we're like a gingerbread man. <laughs> Woohoo! And we're running. Yes! He brought me out of the miry. Hey. I'm out (laughs) we always we want out but God wants to bring us in some doors that God has opened in your life are not doors for you to escape out of but they're doors that revival can come into you may be in pain but remember the cross was painful but it was productive That what God is sending you to and what God is doing in your life is going to have consequences that are eternal. That some people are watching you and they're watching your life. And I don't understand why you lose jobs. I don't understand why people get sick. I don't understand why there's pain. I don't understand all that. But when it comes, we have to learn how to continue to trust God that what God is doing in our life has purpose. Amen? Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I don't know how I met my wife. To be honest with you, I have no clue how I met my wife. I, I was seeing somebody. I, I, was, I was in my mid-20s, and I was just seeing someone. We were just dating and having fun and just, just going out as, as friends, you know, okay? We weren't, we weren't serious, nothing like that. And uh, at least I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and so I was sitting with, with one of my friends uh, that was her uh, cousin or somebody. We were sitting together, and, and uh, we were looking over all the pictures of camp that he had gone to. He was a, about you know, four or five years younger than me, and, and so he was going through pictures of camp, and I was preaching for them, and, he, uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, what do you got here? So I was looking through pictures, and all of a sudden, the picture uh, of my wife <laughs> came across, and I said, like, uh, uh, who, who is that? He looked at me, and he said, why do you care? You got a girlfriend. I was like, man, you know, we're just, see, I, I just asked a question. <laughs> don't, don't, don't jump off the cliff or, you know, just, just answer. And he, and he said, well, that, that's Carrie Runner. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet her. And I was like, where does she live? Okay, so I was an evangelist, okay? And so I went to youth convention and began the hall ministry. Anybody know what that is? <laughs> okay, I want all of you young people to stop listening just for about five minutes. Because <laughs> I was a hall minister. I, I walked and I was looking through over the people. No, 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 no. And then all of a sudden I saw her. <laughs> and there she was talking and I was like, okay, well, here I go. <laughs> you know, just, uh, okay. Now walk up to her, hi, my name is Doug Morgan, and, and she's high, and so we started talking, and, and after a while, everybody started going into church, and, and we didn't go into church, you know, we was talking, and, and finally she looked at me as a preacher, I was a preacher, <laughs> and she looked at me and said, you think we ought to go in? I go, yeah, we probably should. <laughs> everybody else is in church. We're standing outside. We, so we went in, and I, I, she said, you, you want to sit with us? I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so we said, well, her friend, everybody has one of those friends that gets in between you and the person you want to be with. <laughs> so I was standing there. I don't remember a thing that man preached, all right? I don't remember. He was preaching, and it must have been good because people were standing up and juking and jiving and huckabucking and shouting and, and amening, and I was like, <laughs> young people, you are not listening to me right now, all right? Do not listen. And so, uh, so finally that girl that was sitting right here, she said, do, do you want to sit here? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I moved over a seat. Man, that was the best move I had ever that right there. Oh, that's the best. Really, that's the only dance move I do have, you know. <laughs> and I moved over, and man, I'm telling you what, man. We, so we start talking. So after church, I, I said, okay, I got to ask her out. Here it goes. So I, like, uh, so I asked her out. And she, she now, now, now this look to me now, because I, she's my wife, this look now means totally different of what I looked, thought then. Because she looked at me kind of like, okay. And the reason is, is that we had both already purchased tickets to go eat. It was an after, the, the, you know, service, afterburner kind of type deal. And we had already bought tickets to go eat. And I'm asking her out to go eat 
and then to go eat. I, you know what I'm saying? I, she was looking at me like, is this guy a dork or what? We just bought tickets to go eat. And, and she said, oh, okay, but I, gotta, I need to go tell my friends what I'm doing. So she takes off, and I thought, oh, she set me up, you know. Hey, let's get out of here. Ah, some dork <laughs> that wants to eat twice tonight <laughs> has asked me out, <laughs> and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Let's hit the road, Jack. <laughs> don't you come back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I left. Oh, <laughs> ain't no girl setting me up, so I skedaddled out of there, and she came back <laughs> and stood there until everybody had left. And the janitor started cleaning up, and she's standing there, looking around, and finally she gets on her little cell phone and calls her friends and says, hey, I got set up. She had already give her ticket to, given her ticket to somebody else, so they went. She had to go buy another ticket to get in. <laughs> I was already in a hotel. I was gone. Next day, I showed up. I was just going to come to church a little bit, actually listen to some preaching. <laughs> After I got, thought I got set up, and I was going to do my thing and leave. And uh, all of a sudden, here she comes with another one of her friends. And she introduces her friend to me. Now, immediately, I think, look, this girl's not interested in me. But her ugly, ugly friend, I mean, her friend is. You know what I'm saying? Her friend is saying, hey, if you don't want him, I want him. I mean, like an auction block. You know, like 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, sold to the ugly girl. <laughs> Can't get a date. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just said, no, I'm, you know, I just, I left. Well, immediately, when I get back to Texas, I was from Texas, I was born in Texas, but I had been preaching in, in California for a long time. And so I was out there, and uh, a guy from out here in California, in Southern California, called me and said, can you come preach a youth revival for me? And I was like, I was just out there. And maybe he got me mixed up with Mark Morgan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they fly Mark Morgan out. They don't fly me out. <laughs> they say, are you in the area? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, I did that one time. One guy heard my name and said, oh, we want you to come preach. Oh, we can you come? I'm about, and so I start talking to him, and immediately he's thinking, oh, yeah. That, that voice doesn't sound familiar. And he said, who is this? I said, this is Doug Morgan. He goes, oh, I thought this was Mark Morgan. You know, I'm really busy that week. <laughs> and my revival got canceled. I told him that, and he laughed. But I promise you right now, he went and preached for him and didn't say nothing to me. <laughs> so I go out there. I get in the van, and immediately he says, hey, you know a girl named Carrie Runner? <laughs> I have to be cool. You know, I can't act like I, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't, I, you know. So I just say, uh, uh, I think I may have heard about somebody, that name was last she go, he goes, uh, you, you, you care if she comes uh, here while you preach in revival? I said, man, you know what? I don't date uh, while I preach. And he goes, this is my church. You can do anything you want. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so she came, and I, I tried to act cool. And so one, 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 one service of it, about two days in, he calls me and says, hey, I can't, I, I got, I got, I'm busy. I can't take you out to eat right now. He said, uh, Carrie's going to come and take you out to dinner. Now, remember, I, 
I, I'm, I'm five years older than my wife, so I, I, had, I thought I was all, you know, that and a bag of chips, and I was older than her. You know, I was going to teach her a lesson, all these games that she was playing with me, all these crazy things that she was, you know, I was older, and I, I knew what's up. You know what I'm saying? And she's just this little kid that I'm going to train up in the way that she should go, so in the end, she doesn't leave me. So we go, and we, we, we were sitting there, and, and, I, and finally I just looked at her, and I said, look, I don't know what kind of games you're playing, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you not remember that I said, I don't know how I got my wife? <laughs> and uh, so uh, sh- she said, what, what games? I said, you know, like setting me up at, at that at that." At that Youth service, and he, she goes, wait, 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 hold, hold on just a second. She said, I went and told my friends that the guy I had been wanting to meet for two years has asked me out, and I gave my ticket. Oh, this is what you're doing right now? Oh, this is what I was, it's, I was like, oh, oh, oh. I was like, I, I, and, so, and so she said, I can't believe you. I walked back there, and I stood 30 minutes until everybody was gone, and the only people that were around me were the janitors, and they were looking at me like I fell out of a tree. I thought you were in there in the bathroom, and I was having second thoughts. You staying in the bathroom for 30 minutes. She said, you never come out. So I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And she said, so I left. And she said, and the next day I tried to meet you and you just turn your little face away thinking you're all that. And I was like, look, I, I said, look, I, I, okay, I, I like to date you, but you can date other people if you like. She goes, I don't want to date anybody else. I've been wanting to date you for a long time. One day you preached somewhere and I told my mom, I'm going to meet that dude one day. And how here we are. And you're playing all your... Let me tell you something. I, I want to let you know that now I've been married almost 20 years. Next year will be, next year will be 20 years. And that little look, it, it's a totally different look right now. You, you understand what I'm saying? I have no clue of how I met my wife. But somehow we got together. And immediately we got married. And we, got, we, uh, we started evangelizing. And I was traveling. I told her I was going to show her the world. <laughs> In the back of a trailer. <laughs> All over the place. And so, so we, we started doing the things of God. We started going places and sacrificing. And, and we had two children. And, and we were just sacrificing. And, and going from place to place. And she left her friends. And, and we were doing the will of God. Right in the middle of doing the will of God. We settled down at what we thought was the right thing to do. Because we started a church in the Sacramento area. And uh, we, were, we were knocking doors. And we were trying to do the, everything that God asked us to do. We were full time at a church. Uh, being our youth pastor. And... Uh, uh, and we were starting the church and doing it at the same time. Plus, we were both working. Plus, we had kids. It was just a wild life. And in the middle of that, I was working one day, and a phone rang. And, and they answered it, and they said, hey, Doug, uh, phone for you. And I was like, nobody knows I have a phone. Nobody knows I work here. I, what, I, how'd they get a hold of me? I have my cell phone to everybody I know. And they go, I don't know. So I, so I answered the phone, and, and it's this lady and saying, Mr. Morgan, um, we're looking for your wife, Carrie Morgan. I was like, she's at home. He said, we tried to call her, and she won't answer her phone. I was like, well, uh, join the crowd. <laughs> I don't know why I pay for my wife's cell bill. Because she answers the phone for everybody but me. Because when I need her, I have to call 19 times and text and send all kind of messages, and it's in her purse on silent. But if her friend calls, it goes, rings one time. Hello. <laughs> 
So I was thinking, hey, you know, uh, join the crowd. <laughs> Try to find her. And he says, Mr. Morgan, this is a serious uh, phone call. Uh, this is a hospital, and you need to go get your wife, and you need to come here, and don't let her come alone. And I, and I say, what do you mean? I said, you're going to have to talk to me. I said, because I've got to drive home. And you're going to talk to me. I said, does this mean that my wife's really sick? And they said, sir, it's very serious, but we can't talk to you over the phone. Just make sure you go home and, and, and you get your wife and you bring her here, you and her together. And so the whole time I'm, I'm driving home and I'm trying to call her and nothing, just go straight to voicemail. I get home, I, I open the door, and there's my wife laying on the couch in a fetal position with her phone off on the floor. And I was like, babe, um, they've been trying to get a hold of you. And, and she says, I, I know. She said, I, I don't want to go. You go. I go, babe, I, I can't go. I can't go. They're not talking about me. They're talking about you. We had just found out about three months before that my wife was expecting our fourth child. We had a one-year-old, and uh, we had a five- and a four-year-old, and now we have one in the oven. And uh, we go to the hospital, and they set us down, and they say, Mrs. Morgan, we want to let you know you have stage two breast cancer. And you're going to have to have radical surgery this week. We've already got a, someone lined up. They're waiting for you at the moment. They're waiting on you. They're, their offices are closed. They come back to their office. It is reopened just for you and your family to go meet with him. It needs to happen immediately. And I want to let you know that the baby you're carrying needs to be aborted as soon as you can so that you can start chemo. And I'm like, you know, you, can you please tell me this in stages? Because you have just punched my life out of me. And I don't know what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. We drove around. We went to different doctors. We were driven. And I remember my wife crying and weeping and praying and crying. And, and I was trying to drive. And, and uh, there's many times I thought, dear God, Carrie Underwood needs to sing that song while I'm here. Jesus, take the wheel because I need to talk to my wife. And uh, hopefully I won't wreck. And I was driving and she was crying and she was quoting scripture. We, cried. we walked in there and the doctor was talking about abortion. And I said, look, d d whatever you do, don't even mention that word again. We're not going to do that. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I want you to know that uh, we're not going to abort a baby. We're, God's going to take us through this. We don't know why he's doing I was being paid $800 a month full time to be youth pastor. I was starting a church. Times were tough. And here in the middle of all of this comes cancer. I'm thinking, why? I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing everything I know how to do. To make it, to follow God. I have sacrificed. We have sacrificed. We were still living. At the, about, about a year before, we had finally got rid of our trailer. We were living in a trailer with all those kids, sitting next to a church. We had finally purchased a house, and in the middle of all of this, just bought a house. And all of a sudden, this happens. And my wife's got cancer, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I thought, you know what? I know what's going to happen. God's going to heal her. And then everybody's going to know about me. And my, my ministry is going to take off. But that's not what happened. We went through some serious, serious pain. Some serious pain. The church that I was uh, doing, uh, you know, work for, 
uh, we would talk, and, and, and I said, look, without more money, there's no possible way that I can keep this up. And so they said, we under, totally understand that, but, but you, th- this is not for you. And they, so they let me go, and I, I said, you don't, no longer need it. And, and so I had to leave. And they immediately hired somebody for the same price that I had asked for to play a piano. And they had about four piano players already. I tell you that not to mess with them. I tell you that because sometimes God does things to you and with you to move you out of where you are. And in the middle of it, you can't get bitter. You have to learn how to forgive people. You have to learn how to understand that everything that is happening to you is not punishment for the things that you have done bad, but God has purpose in your life and if you'll continue to pray and you'll continue to praise him and you'll continue to love God and you'll continue to say God knows he loves me he cares about me God would never punish me Oh, I cannot tell you the pain. I cannot tell you the months. I cannot tell you the things that went on in our life. I would hope to somehow portray it. But we, we left. And so this man asked us, he said, why don't you come and, and preach a revival for us for a little while and I'll help you get on your feet. And so we went there. My wife, my wife was bald-headed. She'd gone, uh, gone through cancer and, and, and she had radical surgery should have vasectomy and then and then uh, we have a baby on the way and then so she's she's going through chemo and she's pregnant and she's puking because she's got morning sickness and she's puking because of of chemo and she's got sores in her mouth and she's got no hair and she looks just like my brother-in-law and that was really weird oh god it was really weird kissing her it was like this is really weird. You look like your brother. And that's really weird. Because I'm not attracted to your brother at all. <laughs> so, right before we left, I took a job to try to get some money before we left. And I blew a disc in my back. Oh, God. It was so excruciating pain that I did not have any type of insurance and so I was um, going through and paying for everything myself and I couldn't really pay for everything the way I wanted to and so this people had given me some Vicodin and oh God have mercy I made sure my brother had got hooked on Vicodin so I made sure the only time I took it now listen to this this is going to be funny okay but understand what I'm talking about the only time I took it was right before I started preaching So that the pain could subside a little bit so I could think about what I'm doing. But you know what Vicodin does to you. You know what I'm saying? So, so, I, <laughs> so there's times that I would get in the pulpit and I would stand there like, Hi. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> and sometimes that service would go longer than the pill. And I, somewhere in my preaching, I'm like, ah. <laughs> and, and so, so I'm preaching at this church, and I'm all crooked up. I'm not lying. I would, I would walk like this. I was crooked up. You can laugh, because it was really funny, because I, I was crooked up, and my wife's bald-headed, and we, we look like the greatest 
evangelistic couple you have ever seen in your life. I was all crooked up and she was bald headed and we come and say God wants to touch you and they were like hey hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't let God touch us like that whatever you do just pray for them don't pray for me I want to tell you I had prayed and I wouldn't feel anything I was bitter at a church that let me go instead of took care of me. I was bitter. <laughs> I was so bitter. I hated them. I to be honest with you, there's a strong word, but I'm telling you, I hated them. I talked about them. I spread rumors about them. I, I absolutely tried to destroy them. I went to their church and got in their face. I was horrid. Because I always felt like that I was a nobody. From the very beginning, I did, was not born to a church or, or to a mom and dad that was, was, was great or, you know, a pastor's home or, or a good saint's home where everything's going good. No, my dad was an idiot. We're still finding him. Mean, he's dead and we're still finding kids that he's fathered away from the family. I'm telling you, horrible abuse and the only time I ever felt like anything was when I was performing well and if I was performing and I was talking and I had drove the right car and I had the right suit and I did everything correct people liked me but the moment that kind of somebody was going to have to pick up the slack uh, he's not worth it and so in me I felt like that I was a nobody so I got in their face I can't believe you had the opportunity to bless me and what you're doing is making it worse on me so I left oh I was mad I left and so I was preaching at this church and I'm telling you I was in this shape preaching <laughs> there was times I promise you that I walked to the pulpit and they would say this now brother Morgan we know he's heard from God and I was standing back there like Is Mark Morgan here? <laughs> I, I really don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and I would come to the pulpit, you know, and I, there's time. I'm not lying, okay? And a lot of people say, like this one little boy uh, asked, I, this has really happened to me. He asked his dad. He goes, Dad, are all those stories that he tells true or is he just preaching? <laughs> So he said, why don't you ask him? And he came up to me at one of my Bibles and says, yeah, that's true. And so, so I would go and I'd pick up the Bible and I'd go to the uh, pulpit and I'd say, praise the Lord, everybody. And I'd just open my Bible to whatever and I'd put my foot, the finger down, my foot down, <laughs> finger down and I'd say, that's as good as one as any. <laughs> and I'd just start reading until something made sense. And I said, okay, and I'd make up a title or something I'd heard before and I'd just start preaching. And people were getting healed and people were people were coming to the altar and people were being saved and people's lives were being delivered i mean it was great revival i preached there four months i'm telling you people running to the altar and being saved and i was looking i'm like i don't even know if i even believe all of this and god was teaching me that you don't have to be at your best for me to be at my best 
I'm not telling you that you have a right to sin. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But there are going to be times where you don't know which way is up or which way is down. But I want to let you know that you got to put your trust in God and put your trust in the things that God has placed in your life. And no, I can keep worshiping and I can keep praying and I can keep loving God. And it will make a difference. One night I, I, I was, uh, and let me just tell this story real quick. It's, it's, I'm preaching 31 minutes, okay, real quick. Um, I'm really mindful, okay, I really mean that because I can get long and I, I'm very mindful because if my wife was here, she'd be telling me, <laughs> looking at me like, <sighs> and so first part of our marriage, I love my wife very much. I love my wife. She is an anchor to me. She is, she is God's gift to me. She is not my soulmate. She is God's gift to me. He knew exactly what I needed. And she is a rock in my life. One of the strongest people I know that lives is my wife. And so in the minute, first part of our life, we didn't get along very well. And uh, it, was, it was really rough. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It was, it, we did not get along that great. And uh, she was distant. And uh, we loved each other, but it was just distant. It was, just, it was not smooth. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. It, was just, it, it just seems like there was always a distance, and there was always arguing, and there was always this, this moment of contention of never. And I would always tell her, babe, where are you? Why, why, why won't you, can I get close to you? And it was just always, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and we'll do better. And it was better for a day, and then it would go right back cold and indifferent. And, and I, oh, when she got cancer. I remember one time in the middle of her cancer ordeal that I decided to leave her. I said, I can't handle this anymore. She goes to the doctor without me. I don't know what's really going on. There's a lot of trouble. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just gonna leave. I got my car and I took off and I actually went hoping to meet somebody because this was my thinking. I'll cheat on her so she doesn't have to take the brunt of it. So it looks like that she's getting out of this and my kids will be better and I'll be the bad one. And I'll just leave without causing her any pain. And immediately my phone rings. And it's a lady from a church that I used to work with and saying, Hey, Doug, could you come work with me today? I hadn't, I hadn't worked her, with her in months. She owned a company. And I was like, and immediately it was just like a voice spoke to me and said, I, I just saved you. And I said, Yeah, I, I will. I'll go, I'll, I'll go work with you. So I turned my phone off and went to work. My wife is calling me and calling me and calling me and calling me and calling me. And I'm at work. I finish the work and I drive home. And I get out of my car all crooked and I'm walking in and immediately I open the door and she's standing there and she goes, babe, I got to talk to you. She goes, I know where you went. I know what's going on. She said, but I need to talk to you. She said, sit down. The kids were all in the rooms. Nobody was opening the doors. And she said, I was 12 years old. And she said, I was riding a bike. And she said, I had a wreck. And she said, the handlebars hit me across the left side of my chest. She said, it was not, I was, wasn't even developing yet. She said, but it, it hurt so bad. She said, a voice spoke to me and said, you're going to die of breast cancer. She said, I didn't even know what breast cancer was. 
She said, so I went and I got a book at the library and asked her, what, what, I need to do a book report on this. And so they gave me one. She said, as I read it, she said, I cried, I cried, and I cried. She said, I can't believe this. And this voice kept telling me, you're going to die of breast cancer. You're going to die of breast cancer. She said, so when I married you, she said, I loved you dearly. She said, but I started loving you so much. She said, but I feared that I was going to lose you one day. And she said, so what I want to do is I want to stay as far away from you as I can so that when I do die, you don't hurt that bad. Now, I'm going to let you know that all the arguments and all the pain and all the junk that you have been through, all of a sudden you look and all of a sudden it changes completely. And instead of all the anger and the bitterness, it's immediately gone. And I said, babe, I'd rather have you happy for a year than a lifetime like this. And so God started fixing us. God started fixing my wife. God started showing me that I mattered even when I wasn't at my best. Because I needed to know that. I needed to know that I was precious to God even when I could not perform at my best. My wife needed to know that the fear of cancer did not have to be in her life the rest of her life. She could enjoy life without fear. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Whatever you fear, it's going to happen because fear is as powerful as faith. Job says, that which I have feared has come upon me. You better be careful that your fears don't produce what you thought your faith could not produce. Faith will produce for you. If you could just believe him and trust him. I'm telling you. So we were at this church. Oh, we were at this church. So God started working on both of us. We're at this church and I'm preaching and one, and I'm closing. And right, right in the middle of this aisle, there was this lady came and sat down. And immediately a voice spoke to me and said, I'm going to do something for her. Now look, you got to understand, I hadn't heard anything or felt something in a long time. And when that voice spoke to me. I was like, hey. I was standing on the platform and I was thinking, uh, I know exactly what that is. And as I was preaching, uh, all of a sudden people just started coming to the altar and she slipped out of her pew and walked to the front and she was standing there. So I hobbled down, I hobbled down and I'm going to pray for this lady. And right before I got to her, all of a sudden the voice spoke to me again and said, I want you to tell her to worship me because I've already done it. Well, look, man, I'm on Vicodin. I could tell her anything. I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? I was like, hey. So I just whispered in her ear. I said, I, I want you to let you, let you know that all I want you to do is just worship him because God's already done it. There was no lightning bolt. There was no phantasmic view. There was none of that. It was just, I prayed for her. She started crying, started worshiping the Lord. And I go to walk off. And when I turned to walk off, somebody grabbed my arm and said, hey, pastor, hey, do, do you know what's wrong with her? I said, no, I, I don't, don't. Do you? They go, yeah. She has stage four colon cancer. They sent her home to die. She has two months to live. You talk about sober. Woo! 
immediately, dong, I, 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 I'm thinking, I just told this woman to worship because it's already done. I was thinking headache, <laughs> backache, tummy ache. I'd have never thought stage four colon cancer. I guess it didn't, didn't come. You know. So immediately, I just turned around to my wife. Come here. <laughs> Pray for her. <laughs> and I walk off. So my wife starts praying for her. And I watched her, and she was crying and weeping and praying for this lady. And she was talking to her. After church, I noticed that my wife wasn't doing very well. She was kind of anxious. And I said, hey, are you okay? She goes, no, not really. She said, you know, I never talk to people when I'm praying or something. I know I don't talk to but I don't, I don't tell them much. I'm pretty quiet. And I go, yeah, I understand that. She said, but, but you know that lady you told me to pray for? I said, yeah. She said, for some reason, I felt impressed to tell her to worship the Lord because it was already done. You too? They're going to pull your card and you don't even have a card. I don't understand. Sunday come. We had church. Wednesday came. We're in the middle of church. And all of a sudden, the pastor says, hey, wait, wait, wait. I need everybody to slow down a minute. Stop for a minute. And he pulls out. He flips up in his flip phone. Real quick. If you have a flip phone, get a life. <laughs> okay. All right. That, that's over. All right. That's free. I'm not going to go and take up another offering for any of that. All right. He said, I got something to tell you. You know, there was a lady here that came to our church the other day. She goes to a church about an hour and a half away. She's the youth pastor's wife. She came to church to get prayed for the other night. I want you to listen to this. And all of a sudden, we begin to hear a pastor telling our church, thank you for praying because the woman that came that had cancer is now totally cancer free and that God had healed her that night. I want to tell you, I heard a visible, I mean, I, I heard a scream from behind me. I turned around. It was my wife. She had kicked off both shoes. She had begun to dance and to run and to shout. I turned to my wife later. I said, what do you think about that? She says, if that is why I went through cancer, it's so that she could be healed. I do it all over again. I want to tell you, God fixed my wife. God fixed me. God fixed her. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. Pain is not to punish you. Trouble is not going to keep this church from having unprecedented revival. There is no trouble that can keep God from blessing you. Let's stand all of this house. Really quickly, sound booth, did it work? Is that okay? Kind of okay. If it kind of works, okay. I got some pictures I want to show you in just a second, all right? Uh, that's not the greatest part of that story. This, uh, uh, this um, woman that came and got the Holy Ghost, uh, I got healed. That's my wife. And no, that is not Mick Jagger <laughs> standing next to her. 
<laughs> that is actually her nurse. That kind of favors Mick Jagger. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is my wife with no hair. And that is our baby that was born. <laughs> they said abort that baby. We said no way. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. God didn't heal my wife of cancer, but he kept a baby healthy because he was teaching us. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. What I can do through your pain and what I can do if you'll worship me and praise me and continue to be what I've called you to be, I can give you revival. My wife had no hair, but this baby was born with hair this long. This woman that was healed, it wasn't 10 years. I promise you, this is my wife's 11th year this year. Next March will be 12 years. I want to tell you this today. This wasn't the greatest story because when God gave me this message 10 years later, I called the pastor where this lady went to church because I did not want to build a sermon around something that she had died later. So I called and they go, hey, she's still alive. She's still pastor, a youth pastor's wife. She's still doing great. Here's the rest of the story. Her mother was an atheist. When that girl prayed through at the age of 14 years old, 14 her mother started giving her fits and she was 40 years old when God healed her for 26 I didn't really graduate their honors in math I'm sorry uh, thank 26 years that mother had worked on her kids had worked on her there was strain there was bitterness there was pain there was broken relationships there was a terrible home life because this atheist woman had absolutely given this woman fits. When that atheist woman found out that her daughter that had cancer, God healed her and she was going to live. She came to church with her that Sunday morning. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost and she's baptized in Jesus' name. And that whole family is living for God. But I wanted out. God wanted to take me through. I was praying God use me. And God was saying I'm trying. But I want to do more than just use you. I want to fix you. I want to fix your marriage. I want to fix your, I want to fix your life. I want to fix your wife's life. I want to fix this lady's life. I want to fix her family. All of these people have been praying. And so I've got a plan. And I'm going to put you all back together. But you can't abort this. You've got to trust me that everything's going to be all right. I'm going to tell you something today. This is my wife, and uh, this is my baby, and this is a doctor that come in and said, I want to just take a picture with this miracle. Go to the next one. This is me and my wife, I think. This is me and my wife. Yes, I have a shirt that says I do all my own stunts. And I actually had hair. And she didn't have any. And there's our baby. Perfectly normal. And God began to put us back together. 
Next picture. Here is a picture of me. I mean, my wife with her short hair is growing back. And my one-year-old baby with chocolate cake all over her face because that was her birthday. One year out. My wife is one year out. And my baby is one year out. And the hair is starting to come back. God is going to restore. You hear me? It doesn't matter all the pain. It doesn't matter all the things that were taken from you. It doesn't matter all the things that have happened to you. There's restoration. Go to the next slide. I think this is a picture of my beautiful family that God has blessed me with. And here's my girl, my young baby girl. It's got hair all the way down almost to her knees. And she's 11 years old this year. She was born on my wife's birthday. And no, that's not something hanging out of my boy's nose. My wife is taking a picture of her camera in the rain. And that was a piece of... So don't think my boy has something dangling, all right? He's always asked me, Dad, would you stop showing that picture? I want all the girls to think I'm hot, not, not think I've got junk hanging out of my nose. But this to me, to me, to me, just to me. This is my best picture. Go to the next slide. Here's my wife and I at our 18th anniversary. Happy. Happy. Her hair has grown back. And we're smiling and we're actually happy. And God fixed us. But he had to take us through some pain. But I want to tell you this. That God is faithful. He's faithful and he loves you. More than you know. More than you know. Why don't you just lift your hands everywhere all over this house and just begin to praise him right now. Can somebody love him right now? Can somebody do that right now? Just for a minute. Just for a minute. Can you just love him? Can you let the presence of the Lord just come and get over the whole of this this auditorium and just settle upon you right now begin to praise him I don't care what you've gone through I don't care what you're going through right now I don't care the pain that you're carrying I don't care the things that are going on in your marriage or your life or or your situation or your ministry it doesn't matter all of that I'm telling you I want the presence of the Lord to come and settle itself upon you right now in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow at your feet God I pray right now that your name would be exalted that your spirit, oh God, would move in this place right now. In the name of Jesus. Every need God met right now. Every life touched right now. Every situation touched. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do today. There are some of you that are in the middle of things right now that you need help with. That you just need strength. That you just need God to touch you. In just a minute, I want you to come. But there are others that are here today that you do need healing in your body. You need healing. You need deliverance. You need help. You need forgiveness. There's some things that are going on in your life that you don't understand. And you're bitter and you're hurt. But I'm going to tell you there's hope for you. There's hope for you today. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your children. There's hope because God holds them in his hand. And he's not going to let them go. 
So just now as they begin to sing and begin to play, no matter what you're going through, whether you're on the healing side or you just need God to touch you right now and to help you and give you strength, step out from where you are. Walk down here to the front and lift your hands and begin to love a God that loves you more than you'll ever know. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to come alone. Come on. Don't let your machoism keep you back. Don't let, hey, I'm a man. I can't cry. No. I'm telling you, I'm a man just like you are. And I have wept tears of thankfulness all over this house. We're going to pray for one another all over this place. We're going to pray that God would touch us. Everybody, all over this house, begin to pray. Begin to pray to the Lord right now. Begin to reach to Him. Begin to ask Him, God, would you help me? Would you give me strength that no matter what I'm going through, that you're going to put purpose in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are always fighting for us. Heaven's angels all around us. My delight is found in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help and my defender. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. At the mention of your greatness, in your name I will bow down. In your presence fear is silent, for you wear the victor's crown. Let your glory fill this temple. Let your power overflow. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. Oh, that's it, church. Look around. Pray for you somebody right now. Overcome. You have overcome. Yes, you Hallelujah. have. Hallelujah. Yes. Jesus, you have overcome the world. Somebody pray with somebody right now. Somebody minister to somebody right now. Somebody pray for those that are hurting around you. I want to tell you there's hope. There's hope. There's victory. There's victory. Praise Him. Magnify Him. Love Him. Worship the Father. God's got it all under control. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You will have you overcome, you overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome, you overcome. Hey! Every high thing must come down. Oh! Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's
something deep that's happened in this place tonight, this afternoon, something very dynamic, something very, very deep. I sense that there are, I'm going to go ahead and say what I feel, there are healings that are happening in relationships that are supernatural and divine, something that we couldn't do. God's doing it right now in Jesus' name. I believe that there are physical healings that are happening. There are emotional wounds that have been festering. Something's happened in the spirit. It's been a cleansing of the wound. The wound has been cleansed. Oil and wine has been poured in. Healing is ready to begin. I believe that in the Holy Ghost right now. Healing is ready to begin in a spiritual sense. Uh, God has done something deep and cathartic through the Word of God, through this experience, and through the pain that our brother and his family went through. There is spiritual healing on many, many levels that are transpiring in our church family right now. Can we give God thanks for it right now for what he's doing? Come on, that's it. Give him thanks. He's doing a powerful, powerful, powerful work. So receive the word. Receive the word. The wound is cleansed. The pus and bitterness is out. Healing can begin after this service. Do you receive that word? Healing can begin. God's at work.